in overtime as we continue and welcome Mike to the program. What's up, Mike? Hey, Pat. How's it going, bud? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm just living, trying to, trying to get through this bleak, you know, start to the season that everybody's losing their minds over. It, uh, it's, been, <laughs> it's been a negative start to the program, no doubt about it. Hey, I'm not going to complain. Like, I mean, so I feel like when it comes to special teams analysis, especially from, and by no means am I going to crap over previous callers, but I feel like if we look at the penalty kill as a whole, just in two games, just in the sample size that we have right now, at least from the eye test and statistically, we can make some pretty good assumptions that there is a, an improvement despite tonight's, you know, two goals against, right? Um, first and foremost, if we look at the way that Paul Girard has the team defending the blue line when it comes to the controlled entries against, there's a, a noticeable change. You know, he's brought that up in the past uh, during the preseason, during a couple of interviews that there was going to be an emphasis on suppressing zone entries. And, and from that mm-hmm. as well, they found a way to kind of mitigate the problem with blocking shots and being a passive, you know, penalty kill, like you mentioned earlier. Um, one other thing that I had noticed, and I wrote about this on Flames Nation the other day, um, actually earlier today, sorry, uh, was how they were kind of structuring their neutral zone play. And I think that's one thing that if fans kind of pay a bit more close attention to, just maybe spend a portion of the game really paying attention to it, you'll notice that they're finding ways to apply pressure in the right, right ways. And, it became incredibly apparent that that was going to be the end game, especially mm-hmm. when you looked at the Troy Brower goal uh, setup, you know, with Sean Monaghan that, that led to the goal yesterday, or sorry, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on it so far? Yeah, I mean, I and and it's funny you bring up the the you know suppressing the the zone entries. You can tell. I mean, they, they definitely are doing a better job of of making it difficult at the at the blue line. You know, they're they're pressuring and using their skating at the blue line, making and 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 it's it's difficult when you, when you're trying to defend a guy like Connor McDavid. Like it doesn't matter how much you suppress his zone entry on a power play or even strength, he's going to enter the zone. He's that good. Um, but but for the most part, I think they've done a nice. Job job of, of making uh, whoever it is, when, when Drysaddle was doing it, Nugent Hopkins a couple of times, you know, make them make really quick decisions when they enter the blue line, and then next thing they do that, and a lot of times it's just a, a quick flip to the sideboards, and then all of a sudden it's a one-on-one battle, and you win that battle and you get the puck out. So that that doesn't allow a team to gain possession right off the bat on the power play, and, and if you're in a 50-50 battle, well, you're able to get it out 50% of the time, and, and that's effective. So I, I know they've allowed three power play goals to this point and that's look results in the end are the thing that matter the most but in a really small sample size like two games I, at the very least I, I can see some improvement in the penalty kill and I, I think that if if we continue seeing what we're seeing on the PK then I think that you know it, it'll be it'll be something that is much improved than what we saw last year totally and to the that point with goals um like the one thing that everybody needs to keep in mind is you're playing on the penalty kill to try and eat as much time as possible just to prolong shots and goals against. Like goals and shots are going to happen. There's there's no way to prevent everything from happening. But the one thing that I want to touch on, if we've got a little bit more time, um, was what you mentioned yeah. with funneling to the boards. Uh, again, same pattern we saw Wednesday against the Oilers. You'd have your either your forward one, forward one or your forward two applying just the right of pressure to kind of funnel the Oilers puck carrier right to the boards. And then more often than not, you would see Mark Giordano, TJ Brody. Even in some cases, you would see Derek England or Dennis Weidman kind of hold them up and stop that entry and break it up. 
Um, I know that Dennis Wybins isn't exactly the most um, capable defensively, and his defensive impact alone is kind of it kind of offsets what his off- offensive inputs could be. But mm-hmm. he hasn't been completely atrocious on the penalty kill. I mean, if we look at the one power play goal against that uh, they gave up, the TJ Brody situation, especially with the miscue on Mark Giordano there, uh, they just got beat down low, falling into a weird diamond formation. And it was a two-on-one that just turned into a quick pass for Lake didn't catch his guy coming in. And, you know, it was back in the back of the net so quickly. So uh, if we kind of look at like a, a defensive zone formation, um, I've been trying to gather a bit more data about it so I can write about it. But um, I think that when they apply like a wedge plus one, so they have the three penalty killers and then they have one kind of come in and box out somebody along the boards. I think that's probably what we're going to have a higher result of success with um, last season and even parts of this season so far in the two games, we've seen a bit of kind of the same with a diamond going into like a weird higher and low box with a lot of passive elements. And obviously that's not what you want, especially if, you have Michael Backman and Michael Philippe on your penalty kill unit, like the top one, obviously. And then in the second unit, maybe like uh, Sean Monaghan and Troy Brower again, which seems to be working out. But again, we kind of saw the same pattern tonight where they get caught and you know, they're getting a little bit overwhelmed because you can't control McDavid. Um, you just have to manage him. And next thing you know, it's in the back of the net yeah. and we're complaining about it. Well, and I think another important thing is, and and look, I know that everybody is looking after last year. Everybody's looking for good results. I I totally understand that. And and you know, an zero and two start to the season when you lose to your arch rival, the Oilers, that sucks. I I'm totally aware of that. But I I do think what's important is is sample size. And you know, one of the things that that has really clicked for me in in recent years is that you know results and and goals for and goals against in a short sample size a small sample size can be misleading and and i think that you know when when you take the the bigger picture into account i think whether it be the flames and the penalty kill whether it be the flames in in what they're doing in terms of generating more offense and and having the puck in the offensive zone more all that type of stuff i i it doesn't really start to show until you you, you start you having a larger sample size. So I, I do think that we've seen some progression in Calgary's game and Calgary's penalty kill. Yeah, I, I, I see signs of progression. It just so happens that right now the results aren't necessarily following in step, but that that can start to happen. And so that's why two games is far too small a sample size for me to be making any definitive judgments on, on what the coaching staff has or has not done to this point. Totally, and yeah, that's completely fair. I mean, the sample size problem goes both ways. Like, if a large enough sample, people can start drawing to, you know, biases of things that they might remember that might actually not be true. And if it's a small enough sample size, they're going to say, well, you know, the world is ending, right? And we lost two games. But I think kind of, I don't know how much more time you want me on here, Pat, but um, if you, I just want to touch kind of briefly on even strength and zone exits and zone entries. Uh, there was a caller that had mentioned that there wasn't really a whole lot of system in place for it. And I kind of want to disagree with that, especially when you look at the way that they were breaking out of the zone, especially in the first period. I mean, it was the best period by far. And obviously compared to the second, it was nothing. But um, when you looked at how they would break up the Oilers four check, and in most cases it was a chip in or it was a puck battle along the boards. They had the both defensemen in the right position most of the time. And they always had a forward in the right spot to grab pop, grab the puck, start the breakout pass, and then get up the ice. I, you, like you were saying, we didn't see that a lot in the Bob Hartley era. Uh, it happened, but you know, 
predominantly overshadowed by long periods of being in the defensive zone, the stretch pass breakouts, a lot of chipping it off the boards and then waiting to maybe try and get something at the blue line and or start something in the neutral zone, which never really kind of worked out in their favor. And what we're seeing, especially when you looked at the top line with Christopher Stieg out there with uh, Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan, they tended to have quite a bit of success with that tonight. You go down the roster and you can look at, you know, Michael Ferlich, Michael Backlund again. They're towing Lance Bowman around. It's not going to really work out in the long term with that. But even like the Sam Bennett line with Troy Brower and Matthew Kachuk, we, we did see some good things from them as well. And they were also doing the same things in the defensive zone of supporting the play off the puck battle, getting the breakup pass and going up ice. I mean, the results didn't transpire, obviously, but the the pattern that we're seeing here, even though it's a small sample size, obviously, is that there is a bit of a structural improvement. And I think maybe in 10, 15 games, I think a lot more fans are going to see this and they're going to be a, a bit more appreciative of the difference in play overall over a large size, a sample size and aggregate than anything else we saw in the, the Bob Hartley era. That's for sure.